Decision Podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org law. People v. Tyrone D. Gordon, decided on February 18, 2021. Wilson, J. Over several days, police officers observed Mr. Gordon selling heroin from his home. In addition to the surveillance, undercover officers engaged in drug transactions with Mr. Gordon and conducted a controlled buy using an informant. Based on that information, the court issued a search warrant authorizing a search of Mr. Gordon's person and the entire premises. In the proceedings below, Supreme Court held that although the police had probable cause to search Mr. Gordon and his residence, the warrant did not encompass the search of two vehicles located outside the residence, and the police lacked probable cause to search those vehicles. As a result, Supreme Court ordered the suppression of physical evidence seized from the two vehicles. On appeal, the appellate division affirmed, and we now do so as well. Because the search warrant in this case contained no references to the vehicles and the record supports the finding of Supreme Court that the search warrant materials failed to provide probable cause to search the vehicles, the evidence seized therefrom was properly suppressed. I. During the course of a narcotics investigation, police officers observed Mr. Gordon and at least one associate selling narcotics from a private residence. On several occasions, Mr. Gordon or an associate exited the residence, walked to the street and delivered an object to a waiting person in exchange for money. As part of the investigation, detectives prepared a search warrant application that alleged the following, 1 On August 13 and August 25, 2015, undercover detectives had engaged in two controlled buys of heroin from Mr. Gordon, 2 A confidential informant had participated in a third controlled purchase from Mr. Gordon, and 3 The detectives had observed several more likely narcotics sales on the evenings of August 25 and 26, 2015. In all cases, the alleged sales followed the same pattern, a car would arrive on the street outside the residence, Mr. Gordon or another person would emerge from the residence, approach the prospective buyer, and then return to the residence a few minutes later. Based on the surveillance and undercover purchases, the detectives applied for and obtained a search warrant authorizing a search of the person of Tyrone Gordon and the entire premises from which Mr. Gordon was seen emerging. The warrant was issued on August 28, 2015 and executed one week later. As a result of the search of the residence, the police found a handgun, but a separate individual not Mr. Gordon, was charged with possession of that weapon. No other contraband was found on Mr. Gordon's person or in the interior of the residence. The factual materials prepared for the search warrant made no mention of any vehicles associated with Mr. Gordon or the premises as allegedly being involved in the observed criminal activity. Nonetheless, as part of the search of the entire premises, police officers searched two vehicles found on site, a Nissan Maxima and a Chevrolet sedan. The Nissan, which was registered to Mr. Gordon's cousin, was parked in the driveway of the residence. From the search of the Nissan, the police retrieved quantities of heroin, cocaine, and assorted drug paraphernalia. The Chevrolet, parked in the backyard behind two fences, was unregistered. A search of the Chevrolet revealed a loaded handgun. Mr. Gordon was arrested and arraigned on a nine-count indictment. Counts five through nine rested in large part on the physical evidence seized from the two vehicles. 
In an omnibus motion, Mr. Gordon moved to suppress that evidence. Mr. Gordon based his argument on several of our prior decisions, including People v. Dumper and People v. Hansen, abrogated on other grounds by People v. Ponder. Based on our prior precedent and interpretations thereof by the lower courts, Mr. Gordon argued that the police officers lacked the particularized probable cause necessary to search the vehicles. The factual allegations, Mr. Gordon contended, supported at most a search of Mr. Gordon's person and his residence and not the vehicles located outside the residence. Supreme Court granted Mr. Gordon's motion to suppress. Supreme Court explained that in New York, a search warrant must list each specific area of the building, area or vehicle to be searched and probable cause must be shown in each instance. Reviewing the warrant materials, Supreme Court concluded that probable cause was lacking in this case because the detective's affidavit made no mention of the vehicles or otherwise provided any specific probable cause to believe that the vehicles were involved in the criminal activity. The appellate division affirmed, concurring in Supreme Court's conclusion that the search warrant did not particularize that a search of the vehicles was permitted and probable cause to search those vehicles had not been established in the application for the search warrant. A judge of this court granted the people's motion for leave to appeal, and we now affirm. 2. The parties dispute the proper standards for evaluating the sufficiency of the warrant application and whether the search of the vehicles conformed to the warrant's directives. Mr. Gordon relies primarily on New York precedent, the people look instead to federal case law for guidance. The people rely heavily on United States v. Ross and several decisions of federal courts of appeals that have determined, under the U.S. Constitution, that a warrant to search an entire premises may, under certain circumstances, impliedly authorize a search of automobiles found on the property. In Ross, the Supreme Court held that when police officers have probable cause to conduct a warrantless search of the trunk of a vehicle based on an informant's tip that narcotics were being kept in the trunk of the car the police may open a paper bag found inside the trunk. The Supreme Court did not address whether a search of an automobile could be upheld when the information supporting a warrant application is determined by a magistrate to justify the search of a premises but makes no mention of vehicles located on the property. The people and dissent contend that we should extend the reasoning of Ross to hold, as some federal courts of appeals have, that vehicles located outside a residence are no different from any other closets, chests, drawers, or containers located within. Those federal courts extending Ross to automobiles on the theory that an automobile is no different than a paper bag have found difficulty in arriving at a single standard for determining what vehicles may be searched. They disagree regarding whether police officers may search any vehicle found on site during the execution of a premises warrant or only those vehicles that are owned or controlled by the owner of the premises. Compare United States v. Ravich, exempting vehicles of a guest or other caller from the permissible scope of a premises warrant with United. United States v. Cole, upholding the search of a truck of a third party that arrived on the property during the execution of the premises warrant. Ross itself does not govern the situation here, and we are skeptical of the wisdom of the federal appellate cases extending it. Nonetheless, we decline, as a matter of state constitutional law, to adopt either version of the federal rule advocated by the people. As explained below, the constitutional principles we have developed in this area, including judicial monitoring of the search warrant process and the importance of probable cause and particularity, strongly weigh against the people's proposed rule. 3. A search warrant must be based on probable cause and describe with particularity the areas to be searched see People v. Rainey. 
We have on several occasions addressed the permissible scope of a search based on allegations of illegal activity occurring at a residence or premises see People v. Nieves, a person's mere presence on the premises where suspected gambling is occurring is insufficient to justify a search. In People v. Rainey, police officers tendered factual allegations sufficient to establish that the defendant's residence likely contained forged or illicit goods. As a consequence, police officers obtained a warrant for the entire premises of 529 Monroe Street, notwithstanding the fact that when they applied for the warrant, the police officers knew that the address contained two separate apartments, one belonging to the suspect of the search, the other to an innocent third party. Attached to the third party's apartment was a shed. Acting pursuant to the authority to search the entire premises, the police canvassed both apartments and the shed, retrieving from the latter a check writer and set of blank checks believed to have been used in the suspect's check forging activities. The defendant controverted the warrant, arguing that it was constitutionally deficient for not particularly describing the place to be searched. We agreed, and held that for purposes of satisfying the state and federal constitutional requirements, the searching of two or of more residential apartments in the same building is no different from searching two or more separate residential houses. Probable cause must be shown in each instance. Rainey established that probable cause to search a suspect's residence did not encompass the authority to search a separate residence, even if both were located on the same premises. Rainey did not address whether the need to provide particular probable cause for separate residences extended to providing particularized probable cause for vehicles found at or associated with a residence. Two subsequent cases did. In People v. Dumper, we held that evidence seized from a vehicle that arrived on a premises during the search of those premises must be suppressed. Our decision in Dumper rested on two grounds. We first held that the underlying warrant for the residence lacked sufficient factual allegations to authorize a search of the residence. We then concluded that even if the affidavit had been sufficient to support a search of the residence, the warrant failed in any event to justify a search of the automobile which had just been driven into the driveway. Citing Rainey, we reiterated that under our precedent, the scope of the search has been carefully limited and probable cause must be shown in each instance. We explained that a warrant must describe the premises to be searched, and this warrant did not include the automobile, which was not on the premises when the police came with the warrant but which was driven into the driveway while police were there, and therefore it did not justify a search of the car. We next addressed the search of a vehicle associated with a residence in People v. Hansen. In Hansen, we held that police officers had sufficient cause to search Hansen's residence after surveilling the residence for some time and observing pipes, scales, and other narcotics materials. However, we held that the police lacked sufficient evidence to search a vehicle that had been seen coming and going from the residence. We explained. The observations of the police were that this van had made trips in and out carrying at least one other person in addition to the driver, and that it was the sole vehicle observed entering and leaving these premises on a regular basis. The affidavit contained no indication as to dates, times, frequency or purpose and was open to the interpretation that other vehicles might have entered or left the premises on a non-regular basis. Additionally no observation was reported as to any movement of persons between the house and the van. The activity described in the affidavit, without more, was innocuous and as consistent with innocence as with criminal activity. Applying the doctrine of severability, we upheld the search of Hansen's residence but directed that the evidence seized from the van should be suppressed. 
Finally, in People v. Skakaw, we held that tax investigators who had a valid warrant to search an automobile exceeded the scope of that warrant by entering into a private garage in order to execute the search of the vehicle. Citing Hansen and Dumper, we stated, It is clear that a warrant to search a building does not include authority to search vehicles at the premises People v. Hansen, People v. Dumper. The converse is also true. Authority to search a vehicle does not include authority to enter private premises to effect a search of a vehicle within those premises. The Constitution NY Const, Art I, Section 12, U.S. Const, 4th AMDT requires that a warrant particularly describe the place to be searched and the criminal procedure law provides for the issuance of warrants to search persons, premises or vehicles Corporal 690.15. The fact that premises are generally fixed while persons and vehicles are movable presents a problem to officers executing search warrants. However, the constitutional mandate of particularity of the place to be searched may not be circumvented by implication as the people urge. We cannot accept the argument that the entry into the private garage was a permissible incident of the right to search pursuant to a warrant. The warrant here authorized the search of a particular van and nothing else. The garage had a structural and functional existence distinct from defendant's van which should have been recognized by the investigators. In Skakaw, our statement that a warrant to search a building does not include authority to search vehicles at the premises was arguably dicta because the facts there involved whether a search warrant for a vehicle authorized an intrusion into a premises, and not vice versa. Yet that statement represents our court's understanding of the meaning of our prior decisions in Hansen and Dumper, one that, as we noted in Skakaw, accords with the legislature's prescription of what and who are subject to search pursuant to a New York warrant see Corporal 690.15-1 A search warrant must direct a search of one or more of the following, a a designated or described place or premises, b a designated or described vehicle, c a designated or described person, the requirement that warrants must describe with particularity the places, vehicles, and persons to be searched is vital to judicial supervision of the warrant process see People VPJ video. Warrants interpose the detached and independent judgment of a neutral magistrate between the interested viewpoint of those engaged in ferreting out crime and potential encroachments on the sanctity and privacy of the individual People v. Hanlon. To further that role, our Constitution assigns to the magistrate the tasks of evaluating whether probable cause exists to initiate a search and defining the subjects to be searched in reviewing the validity of a search warrant to determine whether it was supported by probable cause or whether it contained a sufficiently particular description of its target. The critical facts and circumstances for the reviewing court are those which were made known to the issuing magistrate at the time the warrant application was determined. The particularity requirement protects the magistrate's determination regarding the permissible scope of the search. Thus, to be valid, a search warrant must be specific enough to leave no discretion to the executing officer People v. Brown, quoting People v. Darling. So important is the role of the neutral and detached magistrate that we have in the past parted ways from federal constitutional jurisprudence when we believe that an emerging rule of federal constitutional law dilutes the requirements of judicial supervision in the warrant process PJ video, see also People v. Goki, People v. Scott, People v. Keita, declining to incorporate a federal rule permitting warrantless searches of business establishments in light of the paramount importance of advanced judicial oversight under Article 1 
Constitution, Section 12 of the State Constitution, PJ Video, distinguishing federal constitutional law in part of the grounds that New York imposes a rigorous, fact-specific standard of review upon the magistrate determining probable cause. IV. Supreme Court's probable cause analysis is consonant with our prior cases and the record supports its finding, affirmed by the Appellate Division, that the warrant application failed to establish probable cause to search the two vehicles. The application contained no mention of the existence of the vehicles ultimately searched, much less evidence connecting them to any criminality. Indeed, the observed pattern, as described in the affidavit, was for Mr. Gordon to proceed from the residence to the street and back, without detouring to any vehicles parked at the residence. As in Hansen, no observation was reported as to any movement of persons between the house and the vehicles Hansen, that would substantiate a belief that the vehicles searched were utilized in the alleged criminal activity. Nor do we believe that the warrant for Mr. Gordon's person or premises in the context of the factual allegations averred by the detectives authorized a search of the vehicles. As we stated in Hansen, the mere presence of a vehicle seen at the site of premises wherein the police suspect criminal activity to be occurring does not by itself provide probable cause to search the vehicle. Our conclusion that the officers in this case exceeded the scope of the warrant finds support both in our prior cases and in the criminal procedure law see Hanlon, probable cause must be demonstrated as a matter of fact in the manner prescribed by statute corporal art. 690 and decisional law. Section 690.15 of the corporal states. 1. A search warrant must direct a search of one or more of the following. A a designated or described place or premises. b. A designated or described vehicle, as that term is defined in section 10.00 of the penal law. c. A designated or described person. In this case, the police officers obtained a search warrant for two out of the three, one, the person of Tyrone Gordon, and two, the entire premises from which Mr. Gordon was seen emerging. The legislature's instruction that a warrant may direct a search of one or more of the following strongly suggests that a warrant which directs the search of only one category e.g. a premises does not impliedly encompass the others. Moreover, to the extent to which vehicle searches are authorized in a warrant, the vehicles must be designated or described Corporal 690.151 b. Here, no vehicle was designated or described in the warrant, and the people have not argued that the police had probable cause to engage in a search of anything outside of what was designated or described in the warrant. The people's contention that a search warrant authorizing the search of a premises encompasses an implicit grant of authority to search all vehicles located on the property undermines the legislature's delineation of three distinct categories as appropriate subjects of a search see matter of Orans v. Novello, when different terms are used in various parts of a statute or rule, it is reasonable to assume that a distinction between them is intended, quoting matter of Albano v. Kirby, Rangolan v. County of Nassau, where the legislature uses different terms in various parts of a statute, courts may reasonably infer that different concepts are intended. Our prior decisional law and the CPL's differentiation between premises, vehicles, and persons both support the view that specific descriptions or designations, backed by particularized probable cause, are required for a search of each. We are not persuaded by the people's attempts to distinguish our prior cases. In Hansen, the police surveilled the van in question, recorded its repeated travels to and from the residence, and specifically mentioned the vehicle in the warrant. 
Nonetheless, we held that there was not sufficient evidence to support a finding of probable cause justifying a search of the Speak Dodge van because there had been no allegations of criminal activity specifically linking the vehicle to the residence in this case, by comparison, the warrant application contained no mention whatsoever of the existence of the vehicles ultimately searched, much less evidence connecting them to any criminality. Adopting the people's position would lead to the incongruous result that proof that a vehicle had an ongoing connection with a property would be insufficient to justify a search, while a warrant application that makes no mention of the vehicle would somehow provide greater cause to search that vehicle. Likewise, the people attempt to distinguish people v. dumper by arguing that the salient difference in dumper was that the vehicle was driven onto the property during the execution of the warrant. We are not convinced that constitutional protections turn on such accidents of timing. An automobile not mentioned in a premises search warrant, whether arriving one minute before or one minute after the search commences, should be entitled to the same protection under our Constitution. Indeed, we observed in Dumper that, pursuant to both constitutional and statutory directives a warrant must describe the premises to be searched and this warrant did not include the automobile Dumper. The significance of that conclusion relates back to the basic standards for issuing and reviewing search warrants see Nieves, 36 NY2D at 402 in reviewing the validity of a search warrant. The critical facts and circumstances for the reviewing court are those which were made known to the issuing magistrate at the time the warrant application was determined. The reason the warrant did not describe the vehicles in this case, as in Dumper, is that the warrant application materials failed to mention the vehicles, which consequently fell beyond the scope of the warrant. Even were we writing on a blank slate, we would not adopt the rule advocated by the people. The touchstone of the constitutional protection for privacy, under Article 1, Section 12 of the State Constitution, is whether a person has a reasonable expectation of privacy see Scott. Those expectations must at times give way to compelling police interests people v. class, revved and remanded by New York v. class, reaffirmed on state constitutional grounds by people v. class. Even then, the permissible scope of a search has been carefully limited by the requirement for probable cause and a particular description of the subjects to be searched dumper. Those limits have not been honored in this case. Individuals do not cede legitimate expectations of privacy when they park a vehicle at the house of a friend, acquaintance or stranger. In the case of automobiles, unlike desks, closets or trunks, the risks of innocent invasions of privacy are substantially higher, given the commonplace occurrence of traveling by car to visit other places and people. Moreover, automobiles, unlike other containers, are typically titled and registered, and are also more often in public view, providing police officers with the means of establishing connections between the vehicle and the target of the search. No such connections were made here. The dissent offers an array of arguments for how probable cause to search the vehicles could be established by their proximity to alleged drug trafficking. Even were we to put aside the contrary reasoning of Hansen and Dumper, the dissent never addresses the fundamental tenets of our search warrant jurisprudence, it is the magistrate, and not the police officer, who determines the scope of the search conducted pursuant to a warrant Hanlon, PJ Video, noting that Hanlon imposed a specific, nondeligible burden on the magistrate which required that the magistrate, not the police, determine probable cause. That determination must be based upon the factual allegations presented in the warrant application Nieves. To satisfy the constitutional requirement for particularity, the description setting forth the search must leave no discretion to the executing officers Brown. 
If, as the dissent says, trafficking in drugs provides probable cause to search vehicles, the officers can set forth the results of their investigation, describe the vehicles they have observed, and make their case to the magistrate. If that proof is insufficient to convince the magistrate to authorize a search of the vehicles, allowing a search because the vehicles are located on a premises would constitute an unconstitutional bootstrapping. Finally, the dissent argues that we are bound to decide this case purely as an application of the Supreme Court's decision in United States v. Ross because Mr. Gordon has not preserved a claim under the state constitution. Contrary to the assertion of the dissent, this issue has been preserved and developed by both parties throughout the course of this litigation, which is perhaps why the people themselves have not argued that Mr. Gordon's contentions are unpreserved. The debate below focused on the merits of adopting the people's interpretation of the federal standard in light of our prior precedent. Before Supreme Court, Mr. Gordon cited the same New York case law discussed above to argue that New York law has consistently adhered to the position that a search warrant must specify the area to be searched. Those cases rested on both the New York and U.S. constitutions as well as the criminal procedure law to require a greater degree of protection for searches of vehicles than is now required under the federal circuit court law cited by the people. Before Supreme Court, the people responded by attempting to distinguish our prior decisions and arguing that, if they were distinguishable and therefore not controlling, Supreme Court should adopt the people's preferred rule interpreting the Fourth Amendment. In reply, Mr. Gordon specifically rejected the importation of the Federal Circuit Court law into this context and contended that the people's position would amount to a «detour from established precedent». For reasons explained above, Mr. Gordon is correct that adopting the people's position would amount to a substantial deviation from the rule to which we have adhered under both the Fourth Amendment and Article 1, Section 12 of the State Constitution, requiring warrants to provide particularization between vehicles and real property, even when a vehicle is located on real property. Our prior decisions, relied upon by Mr. Gordon and the courts below, depended upon both the state and federal constitutions as well as the criminal procedure law. In this area of constitutional law, we have set forth principles that would be unduly weakened by the people's preferred rule see People v. Johnson. The dissent faults our prior decisions in Hansen, Dumper, Skakaw, and Rainey for failing to conduct an extensive analysis of whether state constitutional protections deviate from federal constitutional protections in this context, while simultaneously acknowledging that our state case law delineating that particular analysis postdates those decisions. Nevertheless, in our view, that does not render our repeated citations to the state constitution meaningless. Although a defendant must preserve a state constitutional analysis, Mr. Gordon has maintained throughout this litigation that the holdings of our jurisprudence should not follow the federal appellate extensions of United States v. Ross, and that the rationale and considerations that undergird our jurisprudence counsel against adopting any extension of Ross that might displace them. Thus, Mr. Gordon preserved the argument that, notwithstanding United States v. Ross and related Federal Circuit Court decisions, our state law remains the same as we articulated in our decisions in Hansen, Dumper, Skakaw, and Rainey. To address the continued viability of case law premised upon our interpretation of both the U.S. and the state constitutions, we now clarify that at the very least those cases accurately set forth our state constitutional law. To avoid answering the state constitutional component on preservation grounds would be to overrule those cases as a matter of federal and state constitutional law, while concomitantly maintaining that defendant failed to preserve a state constitutional claim. 
We declined to distort our preservation rule in such a manner where, as here, the claim was brought to the attention of the courts below, litigated by the parties, and addressed by the courts. Our court has never adopted a fixed analytical formula for determining when the proper protection of fundamental rights requires resort to the state constitution Scott. In the context of Article 1, Section 12, we have done so when, among other considerations, the aims of predictability and precision in judicial review of search and seizure cases are best promoted by applying state constitutional standards Johnson and when the constitutional protections we have enjoyed in this state have in fact been diluted by subsequent decisions of a more recent Supreme Court Scott, K., C. J., concurring. Although some federal courts of appeals have interpreted the Fourth Amendment in a manner that might permit the search here, we decline to follow suit. Instead, we exercise our independent authority to follow our existing state constitutional jurisprudence, even if federal constitutional jurisprudence has changed, because we are persuaded that the proper safeguarding of fundamental constitutional rights requires that we do so. Scott, see generally William J. Brennan Jr., State Constitutions and the Protection of Individual Rights, 90 Harv L. Rev., Jeffrey S. Sutton, 51 Imperfect Solutions, States and the Making of American Constitutional Law 6 16 to 20 2018 counseling against state high courts engaging in lockstepping and describing instead the virtues of independent assessments of parallel constitutional provisions goodwin lu state courts and constitutional structure noting that redundancy of constitutional interpretation makes innovation and variation possible and for that reason is a vital feature of our federal system because the supporting affidavits did not describe the vehicles to be searched at all, never mind with any particular allegations connecting them to criminal activity, the record supports the affirmed finding that there was no probable cause to search the vehicles. Accordingly, the order of the appellate division should be affirmed. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by Voice Pods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law.